Audrey. I feel like it has been so long since I last spoke to you. Hello, Kayla. Your voice is so sincere, and yet I know you're being sarcastic because we record these episodes two at a time, and this is the second one. Yes. So, me in the last episode acting surprised about what is to come in this episode was full of bullshit because... Look, we try to preserve some of the realism of the moment for our listeners, but the reality is we do try to batch these so that we're not having to record every other week. And that's also why when the Chapter 4 episode comes out and when the Chapter 5 episode comes out, both of them were recorded, I want to say, three months apart. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes these are, there's a big gap. We had a big old holiday gap, so... Um, yes. But we're back. We're back, and it's Mordor. We she are. wrote a Tolkien podcast where Kayla has not read any Tolkien or seen the movies except for The Hobbit, um, which I think you just read that. You didn't see the movies for that? Nope, never seen the movies. All right. And I have read and watched all of the Tolkien properties many, many, many times in my life. And we yes. read them together chapter by chapter. And so right now we're in Fellowship of the Ring. We are on Chapter 6, The Old Forest. Yes, and as my prediction in the last episode was that we may see talking trees, that was mostly incorrect, except for a little bit at the end. Yeah, so the trees don't really talk, but they, they don't definitely... Talk to, they don't talk to people. They communicate with each other. They are sentient. They just... Yes, and, and yeah. they do communicate somehow, but it's not like what we know as like an allowed, like a spoken language. Because um, there yeah. is a moment later on in the chapter where Mary relays something that the tree is saying. Um, and we're just left to assume how he knows that the tree is saying that. But, yeah, that's the part where he's trapped up in the trunk of that willow tree, isn't it? Yeah, the roots have him. Um, oh, poor buddy. I know. So Mary is the leader here of this expedition as everybody goes into the old forest on their sturdy little ponies. Um, And Mary does tell them... I'm going to take a side note real fast. That is Tolkien's favorite description for a pony. And I know this after having read The Hobbit. Because all of the ponies in The Hobbit were also sturdy ponies. Sturdy little ponies. Uh, yes. Perfect. So they get up, they do true to their word as in the last chapter, uh, get up at the crack of dawn and have breakfast and fatty sees them off to this intimidating hedge that goes around the old forest. And Mary shows them a, an archway that's like cut into it that they can go into the forest. Yes. So Pippin kicks us off by asking if the stories about the forest are true. And Mary's basically like, the ghost and like bogeyman stories? No. But the forest definitely is alive. Yes. Um, so as you are aware, I read, and I'm sure you did at some point in your life, the Chronicles of Narnia. Yes. Um, I got some dark chronicles of narnia vibes from this chapter just with all of the talk of the trees and them knowing things and being alive and communicating with each other in c.s lewis they are very much like mostly friendly and here you definitely don't get that vibe um the forest messes with them the entire time they're in there it constantly changes their paths the trees are like Correct me if I read. Correct me if I read this wrong, but they are almost like 
forming barriers around them and making it difficult for them to travel through the forest because the trees very much do not want them there. Yes. So they there's a lot of description of how like the very air feels oppressive and how when Pippin finally breaks and can't stand it, um, you know, and he tells them, just let me through. I don't want to I don't want anything else. I just please let me through. And Mary immediately is like, don't shout. They don't like it when you shout. And there's a descriptor there of like Pippin's voice not echoing at all. Like that's how thick the air is, um, just how dense it is to be in this forest. So Mm, I don't like that. um, So yeah, moving the path around, they get lost. The trees do eventually like make them feel really sleepy. And it's like a sudden onset of them all feeling hot and tired and these flies being around and stuff. But Audrey, um, you you skip something so important. Is it the song? It's when it's when Frodo tries to lighten the mood by singing the song, and, it and then Mary work. says, "Don't sing. They don't like it." Like I mean, I'm with the trees on this one. The songs are fun, but do we need one every single chapter? Oh, Kayla, you don't just get one this chapter. There are like six get, in this chapter. I know. I read this chapter today. <laughs> it this is, is a lot. As- this is as fresh as my memory will get for this. But yeah, so as you said, it starts to get hot outside. Not hot outside, but like they get tired. The air yeah, is sleepy, they feel they feel very warm. And this is right after they've like finally found the river again. And so Mary feels like he knows where they're at. And they've observed that there's a path, but they don't know who could have made it. And then everybody starts getting hot and tired and sleepy. And Sam's like trying to fight it. And he's like, this can't be natural. Um, and he's right. He's right. It's not natural. Yeah. So it's, uh, Pippin and Mary that, like, fall asleep on the tree trunk, and... They fall asleep right next to the trunk, yeah, among the roots, and Frodo falls asleep next to the river, next to the roots. Um, and Sam, Sam is off doing something with the ponies, I'm assuming. I don't remember. It's probably not that important, but he hears a, a thunk, like... Something heavy being dropped into water and looks up to see um, Frodo being held down by a root of the tree. Is that correct? Or has um, been pushed over by it? Yes. He's over, over him and holding it. him down, but he was not struggling. So Sam hauls him out yeah. and Frodo tells him that the root pushed him. And Sam's first thing is, oh, oh, you just, you know, you were just dreaming. Don't worry about it, Mr. Frodo. Stop being dramatic, Frodo. You're fine. And he's like, <laughs> no, that thing, the bastard tree pushed me over. So then the tree decides it wants to eat Merry and Pippin, and it does, and they've got to figure out how to get them out of the tree. Right, and so they, they're talking about a hatchet, um, but it won't help because the tree's so big, its roots are so dense um, and green, and then Sam's like, oh, we could light a fire, and Frodo's like, oh, but what if we roast them alive, and um sam kind of at this point is just like not taking any shit and i like to think that's part of in part due to his gardening expertise but he's just like we're gonna try to frighten this tree because if it doesn't let him go i will tear it down even if i have to chew through it with my teeth sam is a real mvp of this chapter sam's a real mvp of this book yep so they set the tree on fire or try to and Mary and Pippin are still very much alive because Pippin or Mary starts yelling out, put it out, put it out, put it out, put it out. He doesn't like it. And that I think that's the point where you were talking about Mary 
Um, the tree is obviously speaking to Mary at that point. We just don't yes. know how. Yeah. Because it's not something that Sam and Frodo hear. It's Mary relaying what the tree yes. said. I'm looking at it specifically. Mary says, put it out, put it out. He'll squeeze me in two if you don't. He says so. Yes. Who, what, shouts Frodo and basically, yeah, the tree, the tree is talking. What is the deal with this tree? Why does it not like, <laughs> I mean, is, is this a separate part of the forest or is he just like, so I don't know. the old forest, and this is something Tolkien does, and we will revisit other spooky forests. You recall, of course, Mirkwood from The Hobbit. Yes. Um, so Tolkien has this thing about ancient forests, um, and they are called, so uh, allow me to put on my ecology glasses for a second here. Um, so they're called old growth forests, and there are forests yeah. that have just massive trees that have been there for hundreds of years and they're not logged and they're not farmed so they're not kept clean so like when a tree falls you know moss grows over it it decomposes um it's a self-contained ecosystem and so Tolkien has this really fascinated fascination with forests um and and old growth forests in particular which there are some in England and also America America they're mostly in the Pacific Northwest I think um yeah but essentially, he also treats them the way a lot of writers and a lot of people treat the ocean, which is to say it's such a big, vast, ancient place it that we are so insignificant compared to it. Um, so that's something he does with a lot of the forests in his books is makes them feel kind of sinister and unknowable because you're exploring in a place where um where civilization and like urbanization doesn't go and isn't supposed to go and so he's not very explicit about it in this chapter about why these trees don't like people um short of just saying they want to be left alone like the trees talk to each other they want to be left alone this is their place we are here only by their grace as well looking for my copy of aragon because that's definitely one book that I will say samples from this book in that way. Um, I don't know if you read that series. Yes. Yeah, Paolini was super, super heavily influenced by Tolkien. Yeah, like and like I said on a past episode, Aragon is basically Star Wars set in the Shire. Right. But he has a massive forest also in his story. And then... Again, the connection with C.S. Lewis, and I know that they were friends. And they were friends, yeah. And probably read both sets of novels as they were being written. And that kind of just blows them. That just makes my little nerd heart happy. Even if it's not true, don't ruin it for me. Um, I will not say anything, but there are some really great nonfiction books about uh, Tolkien and Lewis's friendship that you can definitely check out. Yes, uh, I need to add those to my list for the year. But the the whole forest thing is just, it's it's an area of interest with me, one of my favorite retellings of a fairy tale is Sleeping Beauty. It was a series that came out when I was a teenager, and basically, um, Aurora, Briar Rose, whatever her name is in that one, I can't remember off the top of my head, gets lost in the forest, and she thinks she's only there for, like, a couple days, because for her, it only feels like a couple days. When she comes out, a hundred years have passed and i'm pretty sure i know the exact uh story you're talking about 
It's called the Beauty Force... Sleep by yes. Cameron Doki. Yes. Yes, that one. I, I have it on book. my shelf right now. <laughs> I had it on Kindle and I love that book. But yeah, Forrest, this this has probably been one of my favorite chapters so far and it's just because that's one of my favorite parts of fairy tales and um like, well, and Tolkien really shines when he's describing like landscape. He spends so much time on it, and yeah. I definitely know that that's like a point of contention for a lot of readers of his works. But I really enjoy it um, because he imbues the natural world with so much life. It's magic. I mean, that's about what it boils down to. There's not one part of the Shire or Middle Earth that's not touched with magic in some way. And right, and even and. Even in the Shire where it's not the same as like, oh, wizards and elves and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just the magic of everyday life, of being surrounded by a place that you love and being surrounded by a place that is naturally beautiful and naturally powerful. And I think that's some of the finesse that more modern fantasies have missed. Um, I am not done with it yet, but I have made it a project of trying to read The Name of the Wind and I'm good like, luck i have tried and failed to start that so uh, many times yeah that's about where i'm at with it but like a few i do enjoy his world building i won't put it on tolkien's level but like he incorporates a lot of that same like just it's there and people accept it for what it is he doesn't try to force it mm-hmm. and that's what i feel like tolkien does especially in this chapter um i did not mind the verbose descriptions this time but we we have left poor Mary and Pippin in this tree with a fire under it for probably the last like five minutes while we waxed poetic about. Oh um, yes, yes. So <laughs> Sam's trying to put out fire while Frodo runs along the path yelling for help. <laughs> um, <laughs> poor Frodo. We there's more singing and it's self described by Tolkien singing nonsense. And I'm gonna well, read somebody... just this short yeah. version. Uh, hey, Dole, Mary Dole, ring a dong, Dillo, because I laugh every time I have to read the words ring a dong. Um, <laughs> ring a dong, I'm hop a- along, fall, lull the willow, Tom bomb, jolly Tom, Tom bombadillo. I misread Dillo as dildo earlier. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, no. I know for a fact Tolkien would not have put dildo in his. Absolutely not. There's no way. Um, it made the song so much better, though. It's very nice. Especially so, so if this, you start this calling man him Tom singing, Bombadildo. Um, this man that's singing Frodo and Sam initially are like, oh no, what if it's more danger? Um, and then he sings a much longer song um, about himself and his wife, um, his lady, named Goldberry. Um, okay. And like so the, the description of this man is, it felt very like Santa Claus-esque to me. You know um, that one scene in the Chronicles of Narnia where Santa Claus finally shows back up again because the winter is coming to an end? It's been a very long time since I've read Chronicles of Narnia, so no, I don't. It's in the movie. That. I don't. I didn't watch the adaptations of that. They never made it to my favorite one, so I didn't really care. Yeah, they're supposed to be starting over again. But anyways, um, long story short, there is a scene in. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where they have broken the curse of winter over the land, and Santa Claus shows up again. They call him Father Christmas because they're English, but in our quaint little American way, Santa Claus shows up, and that was the impression I got when Tom Bombadillo shows up. I'm assuming that's his name. Uh, Tom Bombadil. 
Bombed no, it. no okay. low at the end. That was just for rhyming in oh, the song. Yes, the next, the next chapter is, is the named after the him. It yeah. is. So I'm gonna guess that he helps them out and then maybe feeds them a meal in that chapter because that's what would happen in an RPG. That's a good guess, and we will we will put a pin in it and find out next time if that's yep. true. Um, but he's described as wearing an old battered hat with a tall crown and a blue feather. Um, yeah. he basically like skips along, like jumps along. He's too large and heavy for a hobbit, but not tall enough to be one of the big people, which is humans. Um, yeah. he has big yellow boots, um, a big blue coat and a long brown beard, bright blue eyes. His face was red as a ripe apple, hundreds of wrinkles of laughter. He's dressed like Paddington, basically. Um, <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> he's dressed like Paddington but looks like Santa Claus with his red face and laugh lines and blue eyes um, and his big old beard he's carrying a bunch of water lilies and so they they go to ask him for help he says don't you know who I am I'm Tom Bombadil which is such a great introduction <laughs> oh my goodness he's like calm down my little friends what's the fire and they're like our friend got eaten by the tree can you help us so then he names the tree. He says he he calls the tree Old Man Willow. Um, yes. He says that he knows the tune to fix the problem. Um, oh, yeah, he kind of makes light song. of them being caught in the tree, too. He says, not worse than that, worse huh? Than that. Oh, poor buddies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so Mary's feet are still sticking out, and Tom goes up to the crack in the roots and sings into it, um, which we mercifully do not know what he sings to the tree um, in this part. But he yes. tells them, he tells Old Man Willow, you should not be awake, eat earth, dig deep, drink water, go to sleep. Um, and then at the end says, Bombadil is talking. So it's like he's kind of the master of the trees here. Hmm. That's cool. Maybe suspicious. I don't know. He seems very powerful, doesn't he? He does. Is he a wizard? I can't say. Oh, hi, Mel. I don't know what you're hearing, but Mel can say. It's not Tom Bombadil. She's probably like, I know all of the secrets of the universe, but I'm a dog and can't tell you. She can't tell us. Unfortunately. Um, Yeah. I just but the rest of this chapter is just them kind of following yeah. him back to their house, right? So it's a it's a wind down, a lot of Tom singing and talking about his lady wife, the lady Goldberry, who's the daughter of the river. Um, okay. And yeah, he says that in his song. I'm sorry, let me find I out. Know. He says, "No, no, no, I know." I'm just like, I'm "River woman's the- daughter, slender as the willow wand, clearer than the water." But yes, we get it. We get a good two pages of them following him back to his house. Um, and another song, and then they're on the threshold of his house, and a golden light was all about them. Mm, romantic. Very romantic. Or, you know, just to be expected because her name is Goldberry. Yes. I want to know who she is. I may go spoil it for myself and read the next chapter, and then just... Well, you're not spoiling it for yourself if you go to read the next chapter after this, because we're not talking about it on this episode. We'll be talking about it on next episode, so then you're not spoiling it. It do be like that. I will say you do get to know more about her and who she is in the next chapter, so... um, Mm. 
nothing to worry about there. You will get to meet Goldberry. Crap, I forgot to put my bookmark back in. Uh-oh. Ah, rest assured, I am not, I'm not sad that I haven't met her yet because I get to. We are just trucking through this book, it feels like. Like, I know it's weeks between when we record, but it really reads a lot faster than I thought it was going to. I'm glad. Yes. And The Hobbit was like that. I think I felt like that when I read The Hobbit in seventh grade versus when I picked it up to teach it to seventh grade. And I don't know. It's fun. I don't know. I'm glad I'm you're enjoying it. That's really I don't know all if I'm going to develop a long, a long standing obsession with it, quite to the Harry Potter degree, but I won't feel bad putting up some Middle Earth decorations in my house. Because at least at that point, I will have read the book. So I am glad to hear it because I really love this and I'm really excited well, to share it with you. And um, well, we, yeah. we still have two more books left in the main series. And I feel like you're going to get the Cimmerillion out of me. Silmarillion. No, I no. feel like if any of my friends could be convinced to read the Silmarillion, it's you. So we'll see. I could probably be persuaded to do so. And then there was that mystery find I got at the second hand. The Children store. of Hurin. Yeah. Yes. Which is a good one. Um, I have the, I have uh, both parts of Unfinished Tales, I think, as well. Yes. Um, there's a handful of things out there. And some of them are like posthumous, like um, Tolkien's son, yeah. Christopher Tolkien, um, put the Silmarillion together based on all of his notes and stuff. So. Right. Yes. Um, there's a lot out there, but for now, we're just going to tackle the main trilogy. We've got a lot ahead of us. Yeah, and considering we're on episode, like, we're on chapter six. Six. And we release every two weeks. This is going to take us, it, it, this book will probably end up taking us at least the whole summer. We will have to just stay consistent and stay strong. <laughs> we can do it. It gives me a goal, and it gives me another book to read this year. Good. I'm gonna... My resolution for this year is to watch less TV and read more books, and that's kind of where That's I'm a good at. goal, I'm, and I wish I'm you like the my best. New, my New Year's resolution in February. You know what? It's Lunar You do New it year. when it works there for you. Yes. I, um, I read a lot in general, and am happy to have this one on the list again, so... <laughs> Yes. Okay, Mel. Again, that's probably my sign that we're at the end of this chapter. So we are. Unless you've got anything else, Kayla, we can tell them where to find us online. Yeah, because I didn't just stumble through this half an hour ago. We are at. <laughs> we are mostly on Instagram and Twitter at Mordor underscore she wrote. Um, we are on the email place. Um, Mortar she wrote podcast at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page that is currently under construction, but you can go find it and like it if you would like to. And I think we're probably going to have a significant announcement next episode once we finish talking over the stuff. But I hope so. Significant. Huh? I said I hope so. It should be next episode, I would imagine. It would be. Yeah. But as soon as we, you you want to come back and find out what it is. Absolutely. So, 
You want to come back you want to find out what the deal with Tom Bombadil is. Is Kayla right? Is he a wizard? He will be in my heart. So. And we all know that's the place that matters. Yes. Right. That's all I have for you, Audrey. Is that all you have for me? Do you have any predictions you want to make? I know everything about these books. So no, because I don't want to spoil anything. I was going to trick you into saying something. Damn it. Okay. (laughs) It was a good effort. I tried. A plus effort. All right. Well, Audrey, may the stars shine on the end of your road.